Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. We are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan, and over there is Matt. It is episode two, or excuse me, 525 of the podcast, and uh, we got some fun stuff to do this week, fellas, but first... We should bring in these guys, Ryan, Matt. How's it going, guys? Going well, going well. Glad to be back for another week and uh, training camp just right around the corner. We've almost made it through. I'm so glad, so ready. Yeah, so excited. I actually uh, I forgot for a second about the um, they did the Colts in season hard knocks, and I completely forgot oh, yeah. about it to watch it right after the season ended. So I just started firing that up to get. Get stoked for the the training camp in the coming season. I didn't watch that either. Was it good? Is it good? It's. I've only watched the first two episodes so far, but uh, it's entertaining. If you like regular Hard Knocks, you'd like this one. Yeah, for sure. My son and I watched it, and uh, he became a, a instant Jonathan Taylor fan. So I appreciated did, that. Did your did your did your your son ask why his dad was on the screen in a Colts uniform? Because <laughs> I swear, Dan, every time I see Carson Wentz, I just see your face. Yeah, I've I've gotten that a few times. I think there's a couple of us in the fantasy industry that get that comparison. We we all all of us miss Midwest guys like like to have a little scruff on their face, uh, keep the short haircut to go with it, and I guess we look alike. So, um, guys, I've been a little under the weather, so you're gonna have to do the heavy lifting this week. I'll uh, I'll get us in and out. I'll throw it a few two, two cents, but this will be very. Matt Price and Ryan McDowell centric this show, mm. and, and those of you that uh, that don't look forward to hearing my voice will appreciate that. Uh, we do have a good show though. We're comparing some similarly valued rookies and vets in startup ADP. Kind of have a preference on which way we'd go in a startup. There, uh, we're going to try to identify some low valued veterans who can have some flex appeal this season. Maybe that'll help somebody out on the trade market or who knows maybe even on the free agent market this off season as we get ready for the season and then we're going to talk about the value of the 2023 second round rookie picks since uh, dynasty managers are so fired up about those but let's uh let's start it up with the startup the startup so news is slowly trickling in guys we're we're getting reports right some beat writers are sending out some tweets guys are starting to show up in their cities and we're, we're starting to learn a little bit let's go over some of these things and we'll we'll try to decide if it's noise or if it's knowledge if it's something we need to really take to heart and react as dynasty managers 
uh, that'd probably be knowledge. But if it's just noise, we'll we'll shuck it to the to the future. Let somebody else worry about it. Maybe we can take advantage of it. Let's start in Tampa Bay. Uh, Rick Stroud, beat reporter for the Bucks, says coaches they weren't happy with Leonard Fournette's weight. Apparently, some reports saying in the 260 range. He came out, of course, and said, no, 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 that's over-exaggerated. It's about 245, still over what he played at last year. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Fournette? He was a stud last year, top five running back. Can he do it at 260? Uh, no, no, and I don't I don't think he will. I don't think he'll have to. I mean, this, this is just like the typical training camp, pre-training camp report. You know, every year there's one guy that's out of shape or overweight and – it just seems like, for the most part, we never hear about that anymore after training camp. And, I mean, are, were the Bucks coaches happy? I'm sh- Except for Eddie Lacy. True, true. He's he's the one. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Bucks coaches, Tampa, Tampa Bay coaches, were not happy, right? But that doesn't mean, like, what does that mean? They don't, does that mean Keyshawn Vaughn is the starter now? Obviously not, right? Like, there, there are limited options there. Maybe Rashad White gets more more touches his his ADP will certainly uh change as a result of this both of those players will I think but I I think this is ultimately just noise I I don't think this matters I don't think it matters in terms of him being fat because we know he's going to be the starter um but I do kind of feel like Rashad White is being a little bit undervalued right now, going off the board, running back 35, 104 overall in, in one quarterback leagues in July. Uh, the 14th Both of those pick. things can be true, though, right, Matt? What's that? Well, they're, it's, they're not going to they're, – they're not independent from one, an, one another. Or they true. are independent from one another. Rashad White can be undervalued, and it doesn't have to do with Fournette's weight issues. or No, really no, no, no. Fournette. No, not at all. I mean, if I mean again, I I'm just I agree that this is noise. This is you know off off season. We don't have anything else to talk about stuff. However, I mean, if if it does mean his maybe his conditioning is quite isn't quite where it was last season, and maybe that makes him a little bit more susceptible energy. These are all what ifs. Uh, um, but that combined with the news that you know maybe Giovanni Bernard gets cut, that mm-hmm. makes me. It makes me like Rashad White a, a little bit more, uh, maybe even as an impact player this season. Well, I mean, we're like ultimately we as a fantasy community are we're we're simple, right? We're 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 easy to predict. A report like this comes out, Fournette's ADP, his value is going to drop. Rashad White's is going to uh, going to jump up. That's just what's going to happen. Ultimately, I think I agree with you, Matt. Rashad White was being undervalued already so maybe his adp gets to where it should have been uh anyway um and fournette honestly i think he's undervalued rb22 he's he's behind zeke he's behind uh, a couple of other uh running backs that are his his same age range right even alvin kamara i I think fournette versus kamara is a real discussion right now and if you look at our adp there's um you know a couple rounds separating them so that's that's just kind of where I think it is. I think it's just one of those normal, typical preseason do, stories. Do you view do you guys view Leonard Fournette as a? I don't know what, what where you want to put the cutoff as, but like I, I think most of us most of us in the fans community probably agree that Leonard Fournette is you know at least a borderline running back one this season. Do you sure. see that continuing more than more than this season? 
Um, more than twenty twenty two. There's too many factors, yeah. right? Do we know if Tom Brady's going to be back? Do we know what the rest of that offense is going to be look like? Will Fournette even be back in Tampa Bay? I don't think you can count on anything beyond the twenty twenty two season. I agree. I mean, until Brady changed his mind and came back, it looked like Fournette was the goner, right? They were going to let him yeah. walk. They were evidently ready to kind of overhaul that team and, and let all of Brady's guys go uh, until he uh, until he changed his mind. So Dan's right. It depends on, on Brady and, and so many other factors. But, no, I'm not assuming Fournette's uh, an RB1 beyond this season. I'm not even assuming he's an RB1 this season. And as I said he was undervalued in Dynasty and redraft. I think he's being overvalued or has been up until this point. You know, being drafted among the top six or eight running backs in in redraft and and best ball leagues. He does have guaranteed money through twenty twenty three, so he's going to be a buck uh, at least at least until the end of the end of next season. Hmm. We'll have another chance to talk about Rashad White here in a few minutes. We should get to uh, news out of San Francisco. 49ers wide receiver Brandon Ayuk's performance during minicamp quote, wasn't what you'd expect, Matt, from a veteran <laughs> receiver. Uh, this coming from Jack Hammer of the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. So we've we've kind of read this book before, right? We know how this one ends. This is this is a repeat of last offseason when there were there were whispers of this and then suddenly the coaches were talking about it and then all of a sudden Brandon Ayuk looked like he was the fifth wide receiver on the depth chart what do you make of 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 these quotes out of out of San Fran I feel like this is probably noise too I I kind of my go-to beat writer for San Francisco is Matt Mayoko Uh, he's been there for I don't even know how long 15 20 years maybe um, as 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 a trusted source there for the 49ers um, that said, again, you know, I, I do, like I said, I think this is noise, but we saw this with Ayuk last off season. We saw him be in the doghouse for the first, what, six, seven games of the season. So, you know, giving the coaching staff another reason to not have him ready for, for week one and for fantasy managers, uh, you know, that, that definitely sticks in the mind a little bit. Ultimately I say it's noise, but I, I, I could see it pissing off the, the coaching staff again. Well, I mean, first of all, we need to talk about this reporter. His name is Jack Hammer. Like, seriously? <laughs> He's like a private eye. He should be a private eye. He should be a construction tool. Um, okay, so, but the the quote just baffled me here. Wasn't, Ayuk's performance wasn't what you'd expect. What do we even expect from Brandon Ayuk at this point? His rookie season, weeks 1 through 6, he was wide receiver 80. Weeks 7 through 16, he's wide receiver 19. Last year, week 1 through 8, wide receiver 91. 91 through the first two months of the season. Week 9 through 18, he's wide receiver 11. He goes from wide receiver 91 to wide receiver 11. So, I mean, wake me up in in two months, and I'll put Brandon Ayuk in my starting lineup. But, I mean, this this is kind of what we expect from him, not... Uh, th- this shouldn't be a surprise. I, I don't think we can assume it's noise. I assumed it was noise last year. I liked Ayuk. He was coming off that, uh, that great end to his rookie season, and I kind of ignored all of those reports that we heard. I'm not going to ignore them again. There, there's, there's a trend here, and it's not great. Yeah, it's certainly not good. It's not what you want to see. It feels like it could, 
I and mean, I'm not saying that's what Jack Hammer did here. It could be the lazy thing to do, right? Can't even, Jack can't Hammer even. might have been uh, looking through game logs and said, "Man, he starts off slow. I could, I could, uh, I could make a note right now that that Ayuk doesn't look that great, and if he's a slow starter, that that looks good in the future." I, I don't, I don't really know it. I'm not all that worried about it. I, I, I hope it's not a trend that's going to continue into week seven, eight, or nine this year. Because uh, we need Brandon Ayuk to be that second half guy, the guy who we could depend on to be a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. I did think it was good that Ayuk has been uh, working out with Trey Lance. That's you know that's always a, a good sign and what you want to see. Well, I was going to say the rest of that report is that he struggled with drops and wasn't quote on the same page as second year quarterback Trey Lance, who spent time working together over the off season. So good that they good that they were working together, and hopefully by the end of it they. They were on the same page. The last little nugget we need to talk about here comes out of Seattle, fellas. Uh, Apparently, the expectation is that Rashad Penny will be the primary back and projects he's being projected um, to handle 20, 20 carries per game. That's a pretty big workload for a guy with an injury history like his. They also... They're also projecting that that Seahawks third down roll might go to Travis Homer or DJ Dallas rather than Kenneth Walker. So, you know, you read this and it it reads as if Kenneth Walker might have been a wasted draft pick if they're not going to use him. But Pete Carroll and that coaching staff, they don't love to trust these rookies early on. So I don't think anybody should be shocked if if Kenneth Walker ends up uh, getting his feet wet earlier in the in his freshman season in the NFL. But that it just doesn't feel right that you're going to spend that kind of draft capital on Walker, and only for him to to not even have a much of a role early in his career. Well, it's happened before. I mean, that's exactly what happened with Rashad right. Penny, and of course he had injuries to deal with as well. Um, so I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is Penny's uh, job early on, and, and Kenneth Walker gets uh, kind of splashed in as the season goes along. But I mean, going back to this projection from this, uh, from this beat writer, 20 carries a game for Rashad Penny is what we should expect. (laughs) And I think those are the things that, that really kind of shift the fantasy community and fantasy players, because you see that and you assume, okay, he's, he is the man. But when you really kind of dig in, I mean, Rashad Penny has 280 carries in his four year career. Obviously, that's injury-related. So now the projection is he's getting 360 carries this season. 20 carries a game. Last year, the Seattle running backs, all of them combined, totaled 346 carries, which is 19 a game. So now he's getting more than the entire running back core did a year ago. I mean, this is this is a beat rider just throwing out a number. Like, the, so- the report should say Rashad Penny will be the lead back. That's a lot different. And, and probably a lot more correct than 20 carries a game. And that could mean 11 carries a game. Yep. And, and that could mean 11 carries for three games from what we know from Rashad Penny. So the way I took this was, okay, sure, Penny will be the primary back to start, and maybe Kenneth Walker gets squeezed out initially because these other two guys are better. As pass catchers, you know, we still don't know exactly how well Kenneth Walker could catch the ball based on his production in college. And these two other guys, we do know they can do that. Maybe they're a little bit better in pass protection. But 
once once Penny is hurt, then Walker takes over as the primary back. So this this kind of news where we're like Ryan said, we're a reactionary. You know, somebody may be pushing up Kenny Penny on this news. Maybe they're pushing down Walker. Maybe they listened to us the last couple of of shows where we said Kenneth Walker should not be the running back fourteen in Dynasty this month. He's the running back eighteen, so he's pushed down a little bit. That's a more palatable taste, I think, in in startup drafts. So you know, if somebody is reacting to this news and being all in on Rashad Penny, then take advantage and see if you can pry Kenneth Walker away. I think for the rest, fine with Rashad Penny, right? He he's just fine as our wide receiver, or excuse me, our running back four on our roster, running back five, a guy that we can slide into our flex spot. Um, but having an expectation beyond the next Seahawks football game to use <laughs> Rashad Penny. That might be asking too much at this point. I really like Rashad Penny too. RB thirty-seven in our new ADP. I think he's a great value, and, and Walker is is being overvalued still, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know we're really using projections for Walker's value at this point. You know, and maybe a little bit more hope than true projection when it comes to Walker because he is in Seattle with that coaching staff that loves to run the ball and has has had a history of committing to one back. Uh, I get that. That's a little too hopeful for for me, though. Let's uh, let's jump into our ADP conversation. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. I am down with ADP, and we want to talk about some rookies and some veterans that surround them in July ADP. We'll start right at the top, guys. This is going to be a fun conversation. Brees Hall, currently number eleven overall, the running back for the Jets. He's surrounded by the two guys in front of him at 9 and 10, Javante Williams and Cooper Cup. Certainly some talent there. Behind him, a couple of guys, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, 12, 13, and 14 in ADP, Matt. Brees Hall, the only other running back in this group right here, is Javante Williams. I think that's where the funnest part of this conversation. You have to make a decision today. Which one are you building your team around, Javante Williams or Brees Hall? It's Javante, and it's all of these receivers as well. I mean, I, I like Brees Hall fine. I think he's going to have a, a decent season, although the start of that Jets season is is pretty brutal, so he could be slow out of the gate. But, you know, at this high as a first-round pick, I understand why he's there, but I'll take every player in this grouping, both uh, the running back and all five, four wide receivers. Yeah, I mostly agree. I would certainly take the wide receivers above him. That's Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins. I, I mean, that's, again, just a team-building strategy that yeah. that I've talked about a million times. In, in almost every one of these, I'm going to prefer the wide receivers over the running backs. Uh, but I would go the other way when comparing Hall to Javante. Uh, I, I would rather have Ooh. Brees Hall at this point. Um you know, I think the Jets have shown that, uh, you know, already, uh, at least based on reports, that he's going to be the guy. I think Michael Carter will uh, will take a back seat um, and really not even be that 1B, but just be the, the pretty clear backup. Um, that's the way I see it playing out. We know Melvin Gordon is still going to mix in with Javante Williams, although I, I do expect that split to uh, to go in Williams' favor this year. But... I mean, everything that we like about Williams, we should like about Brees Hall as well. And I think he's got a, a better stranglehold on the job. And the interesting part of it, Brees Hall, of course, going into his rookie season, Javante had his rookie season. 
had to share that backfield. It doesn't seem like Hall's going to have to do that in his. I feel like dynasty manage, managers may compare these two apples for apples based on their 2022 seasons alone. And I, I don't feel like that's fair. Brees Hall, of course, is, is a true freshman right now. 21 years old, just turned 21. Javante's a year older. They're very close in this ADP. I tend to tend to lean towards the Brees Hall side too. You know, I wasn't... I wasn't the leader in the of the of the Brees Hall fan club at all, it, but the more I've gone through this off season and thought about that Jets offense, which should be well improved, the more I really like Hall and his upside as a rookie in dynasty and in those those underdog underdog redraft leagues where where he could really put up some big numbers. Uh, I people are scared of him as a as a first round startup pick. But I'm I'm not so much. I don't feel too bad. I prefer the wide receivers too. But if you're gonna if you're gonna make me choose another running back after you get through Jonathan Taylor and and probably DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall's real close to that the top of that next list. I, I I'm really surprised to hear you guys say that. Like I, I Javante has Melvin Gordon behind him, who I think was an afterthought to the Broncos. Yes, he's back. Yes, he had a decent 2021 season. Yes, he's probably going to get some touches this year. But they let him go out and test the market. They only brought him back after uh, after he had already done that, and nobody else was interested, whereas Michael Carter is young and had a good season. I know they invested a lot in Brees Hall uh, in draft capital terms, but I just think that the, the team is better in Denver. The quarterback is certainly better. I feel like after year after this season, after 2021, Javante Williams is going to be valued quite a bit higher than, than Brees Hall is. Let's jump into our second rookie conversation here. We got we to gotta get into Drake London, who comes in at 32 in July's ADP. A couple wide receivers right in front of him, Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore. After Drake London at 32, we get a couple running backs, Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. Where do you land on this one, Ryan? Uh, well, the two guys that are in front of him, those those veteran wide receivers, are easy calls for me. I, I would prefer Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore over the rookie, and, and that's what our ADP says as well. Um, it's close between uh, London and the two running backs there coming off injury, Akers and Dobbins. Uh, I think I would I think I would ultimately go with either of those over Drake London here. Um, I'm you know, talking about a, an offense to worry about a little bit. This is one of them. It could be a rough rookie season for Drake London, and uh, he's going to have a tough time, I think, maintaining this third round uh, dynasty ADP. Matt, you're shaking your head. Agree? Yeah. I agree pretty much everything that Ryan said. I'm not sure about the maintaining value because I just think he's going to get so many targets in that offense between it's just it's really just him and Pitts and we can we can talk about the other bit players. I like Auden Tate. Um Brian Edwards, I, I don't I mean maybe we maybe he has something on a second team, but I think that him and and Pitts are just going to get so many targets that he'll maintain this. That said, prefer both receivers uh and Dobbins easily. Cam Akers is a little bit closer for me. Um, but I think ultimately I would probably take Acres as well. Yeah, the the Acres one was the difficult one for me as well, and I, I think I'd probably go with London if if those were the only options. Um, but that's a real close one. Certainly prefer Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore in a landslide over Drake London at this point. Uh, so let's move on to the third conversation here. It's Kenneth Walker the third, somebody we touched on 
already. He falls in at 45. So late fourth round pick for Kenneth Walker. Guys surrounding him just ahead. A couple veteran Tampa Bay wide receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. After Kenneth Walker, you get Antonio Gibson and George Kittle, Matt. Where do you fall here? I want I want all of them over Kenneth Walker. <laughs> Every single one. I think I think Gibson is maybe a conversation if you don't believe in the talent now or the role. You don't think the role is going to be good now that McKissick is back and they brought in uh, Brian Robinson. But the receivers, even if it's just for this season that we're going to really uh, have a standout season for Mike Evans, I think Godwin's going to have many more years. And, and Kittle, I think, is I'd rather have the elite tight end than a rookie running back who's apparently going to be you know not playing because Penny's <laughs> going to get all the touches. 20, 20 a game, I heard. Um, <laughs> you know, seeing these names, this just tells me that I don't want to pick in the late fourth round of a dynasty startup. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I like Chris Godwin. Uh, uh, he's, he's the one guy that stands out here to me. Uh, and, I mean, Mike Evans and, and George Kittle certainly aren't bad players. You still want those guys on your team. Uh, but this, this looks like one of those dead zones to me. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm starting to figure out why – why Kenneth Walker lands in this range, it, 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 you know, in a vacuum, it feels like he's being overvalued. And I think he is, but uh, you get to that late fourth round and you look at the, the old tight end or the old wide receiver or the running back who hasn't really done anything yet. And maybe you talk yourself into the rookie. So I get it a little bit more in, in context. Uh, I, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I'm taking all four of these guys over Walker as well, though. Yeah, I would as well. And, you know, I dug a little bit deeper into ADP. And after a couple more picks, you see Garrett Wilson and Jerry Judy. You go a little bit deeper, you see Elijah Moore's name. Those are are probably the names that you'd be reaching towards uh, late in the fourth round, Ryan. I think I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah. Traylon Burks is one of those guys in that range at 54 overall. He's got David Montgomery and Keenan Allen above him in ADP. He's got... Our guy Elijah Moore right behind him, and then Leonard Fournette, who we talked about earlier, Ryan. This is a fun one. Which way are you going here? This is an ugly one. Uh, Elijah Moore is, <laughs> I mean, like a, a diamond in this in this pile of garbage here. Uh, so I think I think Elijah Moore stands out. Ouch. <laughs> uh, okay, it might be a, it might be a little strong, but I think Elijah Moore stands out certainly as as the guy I would prefer out of this group. Uh, I'm just not spending a, a fifth round pick on David Montgomery or Leonard Fournette or a 30 year old wide receiver. So I, I want more for sure. And Burks would be my second choice. Uh, but again, this is kind of a continuation of that late fourth round range. Maybe it's mid fourth to mid fifth. Uh, Elijah Moore and Judy stand out and uh, the rest I'm trying to avoid. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Burks number one, but Moore is a close second. So, yeah, Montgomery, you're out. Allen, I love you, but you're out. Fournette, you're too fat. Sorry. We're going to we're gonna take Burks and his breathing issues over you and your 260 pounds. Um, Elijah Moore is very, is, is very close. Uh, but I just think that – I just think ultimately Wilson is going to be the wide receiver one in that group, and I think Burks is going to be the wide receiver one there. So it's just a slight edge over Elijah Moore for me. Um, but that could certainly be wrong. I think this time, we, sorry, Dan, I think this time next year, Elijah Moore is a second round dynasty startup pick. Ooh, I could see it. I mean, I could see it. I was just well, about to say, we, we've talked about 10 players over these last two and Elijah Moore is the best player in the, 
uh, out of the last ten names we've yeah. mentioned. Does that so, mean Garrett Wilson's going to be a first round pick then next year? Oh jeez, no. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> no, that's doesn't. a conversation for another podcast. <laughs> Let's move on to another wide receiver, sixty-two overall, Chris Olave. Some guys around him: Cortland Sutton, Lamar Jackson. Get a quarterback in here. Uh, Darren Waller and Brandon Cooks. So we we're touching on a few different um, position groups here, Matt. Where does Chris Olave fall among these five guys? I, I'm really coming around to the idea that Olave is going to be the most productive rookie wide receiver. And to me, that means he's going to shoot up in value. Since this is a one quarterback league, I'm probably going to pass on Lamar Jackson. Uh, but he would be the only one from this group that I would consider taking over Olave. Mm. I figured for sure you've kind of been a Cortland Sutton supporter. Maybe maybe he's just a year too old to, to be investing this draft pick in, or, or or what's the reason there? Yeah, I just maybe maybe the rookie fever finally caught me on this tier. Okay, um, I mean I think I just think that the path for Olave to production is is so clear, and it is for Sutton Sutton as well. But you get the youth with Olave. Um, you know, if, Mike, if if Michael Thomas is healthy. I, feel, I just feel like him and, and, and Jarvis Landry are going to do a lot of the same things. Neither of them are going to really be deep threats, and Olave has that part of this game on lock, and we know that he can win at the other areas of the field too. So he seems to be the biggest benefactor um, of those three, I think, from, from, that, from that New Orleans situation. Yeah, looking at this ADP, I mean, we've got Cortland Sutton there at uh, 59. I think he's actually 60 overall in our ADP, which given the – good news on him recently and the the reported connection between he and Russell Wilson. I'm actually surprised he's not much higher. That said, I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. with Matt. I want Chris Olave here as well. Uh, This is the, I think the first time I'm taking the rookie out of the group. Uh, It's Olave Sutton close behind and, uh, and the rest kind of left behind after that. Touche. Well said. Let's go right after that. We ended with Brandon cooks on the last group. Let's start with him here at 63 He's right in front of Jamison Williams. And then it's Joe Burrow, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Devontae Smith. This is an interesting conversation because there's a couple of Detroit wide receivers, one with some great draft capital but is an injured rookie. The other, of course, not so much draft capital and had an amazing rookie season. Ryan, I, I got to know who you prefer here. Who's your number one guy out of this tier of five? I'm not sure I even know. You know, you, you've got to compare. You're comparing the two Detroit guys. Which, which of those do you feel better about? And then comparing the two, uh, you know, skinny deep threats and Jamison Williams and Devontae Smith. I think between those two, uh, while, while I like both, we've at least seen Devontae Smith do it, and, and he's in a better offense. So I, I want Smith over Jamison Williams. Um, I think I'm going to take St. Brown here, which I, I didn't think that's, I didn't think yeah. that's the way I would go. But uh, again, talk about, we've seen it. We, we saw him produce. I know Swift was out. I know Hawkinson was out, but still, you know, the way the, the numbers he put up, bad players just don't do that. And uh, so I'm, I'm going with Amon Ra. I'm surprising myself here a little bit. 
Yeah, I think I think Amon Ross St. Brown is is pretty undervalued right now. I, you said Elijah Moore is going to be a second or third round startup pick next year. Oh. I think it might, Amon Ross St. Brown might also join him there. You can say whatever you want about all of the, the the targets that disappeared around him, and he was the last man standing in Detroit. But if we think about what Jared Goff does well, think about back in 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 Los Angeles with Cooper Cup. Not not that they're the same player, uh, St. Brown and, and Cooper Cup, but he does a lot of the same things over the middle. of field those short intermediate passes are where Jared Goff is comfortable where he's efficient it's clear they have a rapport I don't think he's going away and I love Jamison William as a talent and you know long long term maybe he does have more value especially with the draft capital over St. Brown uh, but if you th- I think we're going to have to move on from Goff to, to really unlock him uh, so uh, I'm going to take St. Brown here too yeah I will as well although I wanted to go Burrow I really think that this might be the last time to get Joe Burrow in the 60s mm. for like the next 10 years. So I don't usually go quarterback this early, but man, that, that feels like a pretty good bargain where he's at right now. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Let's try to get through a couple more of these real quickly, guys. In the 70s, we got Sky Moore at 76. Ahead of him, Elijah Mitchell and Juju Smith-Schuster, his teammate. And then behind him, Josh Jacobs and Brandon Ayuk. This is a pretty easy one for me, Matt. Is it? I mean, I, I think Sky Moore is, is definitely easily second. I'm not sure about him and Juju. I could see Juju having a, a renaissance this season in, in Kansas City and maybe pushing Sky Moore a little bit to the side if both of them are going to play primarily in the slot. So I'll take Sky Moore for value purposes, at least for trade value, I think, right now. But I would not be surprised if Juju was the more productive receiver. I'm taking Juju. That's it. End of story. Yeah. Don't talk me I, out of yeah. it. I am not taking Juju. I will take Sky Moore, <laughs> and then I'll take like three spaces before Do I get the next name. Wasn't it like three years ago when Juju was like number one overall in Dynasty three or four years ago, right before McCaffrey kind of took that that number? In in our ADP, he was never he was never number one overall. He never got there. No. Okay, but he was, was in the was first he, round. He was wide receiver one for a little while though, wasn't he? Um, I would have to check. I I don't think he ever got there. That there certainly was a lot of hype, and and he was. I know he got into the first round. I don't think he ever. Again, that's that's based on our data. I know there's you know there's other ADP yeah. and there's different drafts out there and things, but uh, based on Again, what we this have, might I don't be think the so. last this. This may be the last time that Sky Moore is behind Juju Smith-Schuster in ADP as well. Uh, in the 80s, Michael Thomas and Miles Sanders are right in front of James Cook, our rookie here. Then Damian Harris and Adam Thielen, Matt. This is the toughest one for me just because... <laughs> <laughs> I think the easy answer is certainly James Cook, but... With as good as that Philadelphia line is, rated number one by every person you care about, whether it's PFF or whoever else you want to want to throw out there for a Ross Tucker, whoever it is, they all have Philadelphia as like the top offensive line. So I can see a resurgence for Miles Sanders. I'll take Cook, but I really do think Sanders is going to have a good season. I do agree. I still like Miles Sanders. Still have some hope for him. But when I'm making these decisions, I'm thinking about not only who can produce, but who can gain value. And from this group, I really think James Cook is maybe the only one who can gain value. So I'll go with him. 
Yeah, it's Cook, then Sanders. They're close. I don't really want to invest a startup pick in any of the other three players. I'm, I'm going to dig deeper in the ADP. Last one we need to cover here real quickly, guys. Rashad White, he's in the 100s, 104. In front of him, Devin Singletary and Kareem Hunt. Then Chase Edmonds and Michael Gallup behind Ryan. Where do you land here? Uh, I'll go with Rashad White. He's he's just too low, in my opinion, as we said earlier. Yeah, yep. way too low. Yep. Yeah, it's it's Rashad White for me as well for the reasons we mentioned. Matt, why don't you take the underdog read this week? This episode is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest way to play fantasy sports. If you've never played Underdog before, now is the perfect time to try it out. Sign up using the promo code DLF and deposit a minimum of $10, then you can start playing Daily Fantasy. Pick them, head-to-head player props, or season-long best ball. Underdog will also fully match your deposit up to $100. On top of that, new Underdog users will get a free year of DLF premium subscription with just a $10 deposit. All you have to do is visit the DLF website, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click on the Underdog promo image, and sign up from there. Or simply visit UnderdogFantasy.com, use the promo code DLF when you sign up. Already have a DLF premium subscription? No problem. We'll just add another year to your existing subscription. Don't forget, you must enter the promo code DLF, that's D-L-F, in order to receive your free DLF premium subscription. Well done, man. Dynasty Rankings. Yeah, let's talk rankings. We want to try to identify some veterans, like outside of the top 200, according according to uh, current DLF rankings, guys that you expect to produce as a fantasy starter. So even if that's a that's like a nine or ten player deep flex spot, something like that. Uh, for this season, we're, we're really looking for production to fill in, to get us by, uh, maybe it's even only in bye weeks or when you have an injury, but guys that you can get for super cheap that can put up enough numbers to get you to playoffs and maybe help you win a title this year. Matt, why don't you fire off the first guy that you thought of when you thought of this? I'm going to use the second one cause he's my favorite one. I'm going to pick. Okay. I'm going to pick Paris. If he's your favorite, you should have thought of him first. That's true. I should have. But I I saw you guys win in numerical order with your your overall ADP, so I did the same. Uh, Paris Campbell, 253 overall. Uh, Listen, the the depth chart at wide receiver for the Colts is is Michael Pittman and the rookie Alec Pierce, and then a bunch of guys you probably haven't heard of. Oh, the crowd likes your pick of Paris Campbell. That that was really delayed. I appreciate that crowd. Uh, I all we, the all, all we... And it was like, oh, I guess that's not going to work. And then all of a sudden the crowd came in. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were, they had to think about it for a second because they realized that Paris Campbell can barely Ooh. stay on the field for more than uh, a few receptions a game. But if he does, uh, he, I think he's locked in as, as the number two there from the slot, his best, best, na- best in natural position, getting all those short area targets from. Uh, their quarterback upgrade with Matt Ryan. So you just got to stay healthy, buddy. And I think we could be talking about him, you know, as a, if he finished as a top 36 wide receiver, as a wide receiver three on a completely healthy season, I don't think I'd be shocked by that. Yeah, I like that one for sure. I've been a Paris Campbell fan in the past as well. I'll jump in and and throw my first one out there. The guy I immediately thought of was Sammy Watkins. And that, that, 
doesn't taste right saying that really <laughs> because I've never really been a big Sammy Watkins fan and maybe it's a little bit of homerism because I am a Packers fan but I've always believed that Aaron Rodgers can can bring out the best in his receivers especially and we've seen it time and time again whenever Devontae wasn't available or, or maybe even before Devontae was was really the Devontae Adams that he became he, he had to play with some misfit toys from time to time, and he could turn, turn secondary veterans into pretty good receivers. Now, you know, he, he doesn't have the best track record when it comes to turning rookies into big-time playmakers, and, and he's had some big names come through that haven't produced as, as rookies but did later in their careers. So there's something inside me that tells me Sammy Watkins, not, not only is he going to make the team and, and play, but there's a chance that if he, again, just like your guy Paris Campbell, if he can stay on the field, stay healthy, which has been a problem for, for uh, Sammy Watkins as well, I think Rodgers is going to like him. He can get enough separation. He's a guy he can trust. I think there's a, there's a path to 60, 70 catches for Sammy Watkins, and right now he's at... He's at 242 in our rankings. Uh, he's going a little higher than that in redraft leagues, but I mean that's that's good enough that you can maybe consider him a flex as early as week one this year. At least in week one. At least in week one. Yeah. No. Yeah, or at least that's the week, right? If you can't trust him in week one, you can never trust Sammy Watkins. So, cue up that two touchdown game. Uh, we had had to get the week one joke in there. Uh, you, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ifs with all these guys, right? That's why they're outside of the top 200. But, I mean, Campbell and, and Sammy Watkins both have experienced quarterbacks in their, you know, in their corner. And they both have opportunity with, with some questions at depth uh, on the depth chart. So I really like both of those calls. And, and you know, the best part is, they're cheap right now, and, and all of these guys are. Uh, I went with the tight end, Austin Hooper, uh, of course, now with the Tennessee Titans. I think he has some opportunity as well, obvious uh, some changes there in Tennessee, and lots of questions with their pass catchers. Robert Woods coming off that injury, new team, and you know we'll, we'll see if he's fully healthy. And then we've already talked about Traylon Burks, uh, the rookie coming in with uh, – uh, some some questions himself about his availability and and his ability to play at this level. So I mean we're looking at Hooper as a guy who could definitely be the the second option in this offense at worst, and and he's already put up a couple of top six seasons at tight end. So not only do I think he can be that occasional fill in tight end starter, I think he could be a tight end one by the end of the season. I completely agree. I like that call as well. I think we're three for three, guys. We might as well uh, go for another round of these, Matt. Kick us off once again. Yeah, I went with the tight end as well. Gerald Everett, newly signed with the... I don't have a button for boo. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. For the Los Angeles Chargers. I I can't believe you would boo any players in a Justin Herbert offense, but... Um, you know, we were all very excited for Donald Parham and we like his story and all that kind of stuff. But, but I think we have to, I think we have to just realize that Gerald Everett is the better athlete and that's what matters at the tight end position, getting the ball thrown to him by one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. There's not really a lot of, a lot of nuance here. It's just, there's going to be a lot of points scored in that AFC West division. I'm not sure if you've looked at that division lately, but it's, it's pretty good. So I see a lot of high scoring games. And when that happens, we get the tight end involved. So uh, I like Gerald Everett. 
Yeah, that's a good pick for sure. He's got touchdown upside, and that's what we like, especially uh, when we're talking about a tight end two or tight end three on our roster. Ryan, did, I, you're you're dipping back your toe back in the tight end pool as well for your second guy. Yeah, I went with kind of a similar story with Hooper. Uh, I guess the only change is not this guy's not on a new team. Robert Tunyon, uh, Packers tight end. Similar to what you were saying with Sammy Watkins, just chasing some pass catchers on this offense because there's not, um, you know, I guess depending on how you feel about Alan Lazard, there's not necessarily that established threat at the uh, at the pass catching positions. Robert Tunyon tied in five a couple years ago. He did that on the back of 11 touchdowns uh, and, and now competing with Alan Lazard, Watson, Watkins, Randall Cobb for targets. Um, I, I like Sammy Watkins. I like certainly like Randall Cobb. You guys know that. Um, I, I don't think of either of those guys as red zone threats necessarily. So I think we could see Tunyon uh, not necessarily repeat that that double digit touchdown uh, performance, but at least ha- you know have high single digits, seven, eight, nine touchdowns would not be a surprise. And we talk a lot about vacated targets, and you know you can think about that what you will, but the the Packers have vacated touchdowns, right? They lost 14 receiving touchdowns between Devontae Adams and, and MVS last year. That's 36% of their receiving touchdowns on the season. So uh, I think Tunyon could be the beneficiary there. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. You mentioned Lazard's name, and he, he's the one in the dynasty community that has some steam throughout this offseason. That's why we're talking about Tunyon and Watkins right here. Alan Lazard currently has an ADP close to 100 at 108. That's that's as high as it's ever been. There's high expectations there, whereas with, with Robert Tunyon in a flex or as your tight end if you need him, 220, or excuse me, 204 is his ADP. Sammy Watkins down there at 225. So just, just so much cheaper to get those other secondary options for Aaron Rodgers. My last guy I wanted to talk to about uh, talk about is Darrell Williams, the the running back that certainly you're thinking, yeah, I, I remember that name. I've seen him around. He's had a couple nice games. You may not know for sure. He's he's in Arizona now. He's he's down there, uh, kind of taking the same path I would say as James Conner did a year ago. And James Conner is really the only show in town right there in at running back. And there's you know everybody's talking about Conner as as the guy who can't can't continue that production, right? That efficiency from a year ago where he's scoring all those touchdowns every single week. But Arizona's going to continue to run that high-flying offense, plays around the goal line, got to turn around and hand it to somebody. I think there's a there's an avenue to Darrell Williams getting some of those touches and, and being flex-worthy. And as we all know, if, if James Conner goes down with, with nothing really else to – nobody else to turn around and hand the ball to – Darrell Williams could have a stretch this season where he could put up those kinds of numbers that that James Conner did last year. We're getting him for free right now. Uh, he's on he's on waiver wires out there that that don't run through the off season. I'm sure of it. So if if you have a chance to add Darrell Williams uh, as a throw in in a trade or or off the waiver wire, I think that could pay off big time at some point in 2022. We got one more segment to get to, guys. Let's jump into that. Let's talk trade. Yeah, let's 
talk about trading right now. It seems like Dynasty managers, guys, are crazy for 2023 draft picks. And I'm just wondering how that how that transfers into the second round of 2023. I, I've seen a couple trades in the last week where first round picks have been part of a big package deal. And maybe the other manager is taking a 23 second round pick back. Probably hoping that the depth of the class maybe maybe extends into that second round and they still get a good player in the in the in the 2023 second round first before we get into what we really want to talk about here matt i'd love to know from you how you're valuing those picks in general in 2023 do you think the class is deep enough that you're gonna you're gonna feel good about adding uh a pick in the teens or even early 20s next season yeah, I think so. I think that the first are just so hard to acquire that like we should maybe start investigating those second round picks, which are at least a little easier to get. If you've got, you know, what we're going to talk about is if you've got a veteran on your roster and you're not competing and uh, you certainly can't get a first from, then maybe you can get a second and it'll pay off uh, as, as an early pick next season. Um, but even a second from a strong team, I think it has a reasonable chance of um, – of being valuable at this point so tough to get the first so let's go get those seconds especially especially if you're in an auction league where picks convert to uh money maybe it can help you get one of those those studs uh just adding a little bit to your bankroll for the rookie auction yeah i think ryan i, I want to know what you think about that as well but the other part i was kind of thinking about as matt was talking he kind of brought it up there was that you know if you can't get that first that got me thinking about this year's draft and how how maybe there's a there's going to be managers out there that are picking late in the first round of of late rookie drafts here that are still coming up in August. Is it to the point where if you get into the into the second round, it, it's or even late first round, it would be better to to try to trade a draft pick. Uh, that late first rounder this year for a couple of seconds next year or 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 a pe- like usually we're looking for a future first but those like matt said those aren't very attainable are you taking a a second this year and a second next year for a late first this year is that the kind of thing you're willing to do or are you going to make that pick no i think i would make that uh, i think i would make that trade because I, you're talking about 10, 11, 12 in, in this year's rookie drafts, I don't see a huge gap between those guys and let's say the top three or four picks in the second round this year. So if you can drop down, stay pretty early in this year's second, plus get one of those seconds next year, uh, that's a move I really like. And I, I do totally... I got a couple rookie drafts coming up where I'm picking down there. That just hit me. Like maybe Maybe that's the move to make. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I do think you're right. You're not you're not going to be able to to make that deal, uh, at least in most cases, not going to be able to make that deal that is uh, that is so common on on most years of, you know, trade your 110 for a future first and hope it's, uh, you know, hope it's a top five pick or something like that, that that's not going to be very feasible this year. I'm I'm with Matt. Not only would I be trying to acquire seconds, give me thirds as well, because uh, even if the depth of the class that that we think is going to be there, even if it's not there, there's still going to be value and demand for these rookie picks over the next uh, next 10 months or so until we get to the NFL draft next year and uh, and get to those rookie drafts. So 
get get the seconds, get the thirds, you know, stack them up and, and then make some moves, whether you're acquiring, eventually acquiring first rounders or if you're just uh, trading for veterans. Yeah, and I, I like what you said there, second rounders, third rounders, and it really doesn't matter if you're a, if you're rebuilding or if you're if you're one of these teams that are trying to contend for a playoff spot or even a championship, if you get a chance to throw in that extra draft pick next year, it could pay off in spades for sure. Let's get to to what we really wanted to talk about about these twenty three draft picks because as you all know, we have the DLF trade analyzer over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, which which gives values to every player, every draft pick as well, and uh, we found the mid. Second round pick in 2023 to work to be worth in single quarterback leagues, Matt, 134.28 points. Just like we did earlier with the rookies, the players right around that value. We got George Pickens and Christian Kirk, Dallas Goddard above that value. And then directly below Damian Harris, Kareem Hunt, Kadarius Tony, and Rashad White. Now you could probably argue that maybe some of those names, especially the ones ahead uh, the first three names I mentioned, Pickens, Kirk, and Goddard, it's going to be hard to get 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 those guys for a second-round pick usually. But with the with the value of these 23 picks, it might fit in all right. Which ones of these guys are you are you willing to give up on one of them 23 draft picks, second-rounders, to, to grab? Uh, first of all, I want to say that the, the trade analyzer, I think, did a really good job at valuing this pick because okay. – I don't think you're going to get a first for Pickens, Kirk, or Goddard. Maybe Goddard in like a tight end premium. I don't think you're ever getting a first for Christian Kirk. So I feel like that's pretty uh, pretty spot on. And then the same, Damian Harris. I, I never, I don't really know how to value Damian Harris. He's just a player that I'm not interested in. I'm sure he's just like one of those running back twos that you could grab for a second round pick. So uh, I'm definitely selling uh, him for the second. I'm selling Kareem Hunt for the second. I think maybe that that might be it. Uh, maybe Goddard if I have another tight end option. But I think if I'm, I'm anywhere near competing this year, I want to keep Kirk because if he breaks out, then that's, I think, going to be worth more than that second-round pick. And Pickens is, is just very interesting. And then on the bottom side, uh, Tony, you guys keep keep hammering the, 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 the Tony bandwagon. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of like I'm chasing the train. I'm trying to grab onto that handle a little bit, see if I can I can just catch on. So I'm willing to take some swings on Tony, but I could see myself if in the right situation moving moving Tony for a second. And White, I would probably just keep keep White. That's a yeah. Ryan. That's exactly. How, how about you? Right, I I want to ask Ryan the same question that I asked Matt. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, which one of these guys would you trade a second round pick in 2023 for? <laughs> Let me see if I can give you. A... You have to trade away the pick. You, you you don't get the option of trading. Okay, let's see. Yeah. Uh, the one guy I would want from here. Um, it, it is tough because there there are some nice options. But if I'm choosing one, I'm going with Dallas Goddard. Um, he, he's he's yeah. proven. He's the guy I know for sure. I can put in my lineup every single week. He can be my starting uh, my starting tight end. Definitely like the upside of George Pickens. I'm I, I'm I'm kind of wishy washy on both Kirk and Tony. I, I could see it, uh, but Goddard. If if again, if I'm choosing one, Goddard's the guy I want here. The more I've looked at this, I think Matt is right. the The value is just about right. I think Goddard sticks out to me as his value should be a little bit higher than that because he still holds on to all that upside. 
But if you're if you're sitting there with Rashad White having drafted him a couple of months ago, and somebody sends you this offer right now because maybe they listened to the podcast and heard that uh, Leonard Fournette is a is a pound or two overweight, and they want to cash in and go get get Rashad White, that's a that's a pretty tough tough call to make at this point unless you're just that in love with that 23 class if that comes into your inbox matt you ever shot white you're you're hitting accept you're taking the no. second no i'm keeping rashad white he, you're he, holding. He, 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 I, i'm holding if you threw another player in that range uh, around i mean that, that's just a sp- purely because i because i like rashad white if there was another player in that range you want to throw out there like like kareem hunt for example i would absolutely take it i just have a a special place in my heart for Rashad White. All right. So the offer is Rashad White <laughs> for Paris Campbell in a second round pick. Is that enough? Oh, man, you're going to have to make sure it's an early second that I probably <laughs> accept, except, except, except at that point. Uh, mid to late, mm, I might hold on to White still. I think the tough. Yeah, there's. The, the tough thing with Pickens and and with Rashad White here, and and I do agree with Matt that the I think that the trade analyzer has these guys valued pretty well compared to the pick. But the difficult thing is we just spent a late first rounder yeah. on George Pickens or or on Rashad White, and now this this trade tool, this trade analyzer is telling me they're only worth a second rounder. That's that's not necessarily to say that the trade analyzer is wrong. It's just to say. 2021 first rounders, especially late first rounders are not worth what they normally are. So yes, you spent a, a late first on that guy, but he, he might only bring you a second rounder next year in trade. Yeah. And Ryan, you probably know more about the 23 rookie class than, than any of the three of us uh, or the other two of us probably yeah. combined when it comes to how you value the depth of the class, where, where do you, where are you drawing that line? If you have to do that right now, is it, is it 16 deep? Are we 20 deep where we start still feeling good about our pick? There's been classes where it runs out in the first round. It seems like everybody's talking about the 23 class lasting well into that second round with quality players. Yeah, I think so. Especially when you're talking about, I believe these settings were for, for single quarterback, but especially once you move to a super flex settings, because you're presumably getting CJ Stroud and, and Bryce Young and some of these other guys in there. Uh, to me, I think the class is really top heavy. Um, so you're talking about uh, potential serious impact guys at, at quarterback, at receiver and at running back at the very top of the draft. So, I, I mean, I think the, maybe the first six or seven picks of next year's draft could be better than anything we've seen this year. And even including Brees Hall, at least in that conversation with him to me right now, looking at it a year out, it falls off pretty fast. So right now I I don't love the depth of the class. I I think we can go a little bit beyond the first round before you start uh, feeling a little uneasy about some of those players. That said, we all know that that depth comes in that that final year and we'll have some breakout guys that aren't even ranked in Devi rankings or, you know, that are, are pretty far off the radar to to pop up and give us that depth. So already knowing that we have a handful of guys that we feel really strongly about uh, another handful of guys that we like, I, I I'm feeling pretty good with anything in that second round right now. Yeah, the the blue chip talent is where it's really at, but 
Uh, if you got somebody in your league that's only focused on that, the depth is is probably coming right behind yeah. it. I, I completely agree, and I think that's a good place to stop this conversation about these 23 second-round picks. Uh, good insight there from Ryan McDowell, as always. Follow him on Twitter at RyanMC23. Matt's at MattPriceFF. You can get me at DMiler22 and get the pod at DLF Podcast. We are going to get into questions of the week again, I think starting again next week. we got a lot of fun stuff coming as uh, training camps are kicking off. Probably yeah. as you're listening to this thing, real news, real stuff to talk about, real stuff to uh to respond to and make maybe we can uh we can talk about all of it next week and in the coming weeks for ryan and matt i'm dan thanks for listening to this episode of the dlf dynasty podcast we'll catch you again thank you for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts